This is the conversation with Anas Siraj Munir. He is an MMA fighter holding a professional record of nine wins, two losses, one no contest, and he's currently the reigning, defending, undisputed lightweight champion of HFC. He's one of the most exciting fighters based in the UAE and currently fights out of Team Nogueira, Dubai. In this episode, we discuss MMA, his training routine, diet plan, Morocco, and improv. This is no time. If you like what you see, do subscribe on YouTube. And I'm still getting used to saying this. But subscribe, subscribe, whatever, whatever. I don't care. Follow on Spotify or rate five stars on Apple Podcasts. This project takes a lot of my time, money, and effort. So if you'd like to see it continue, do consider supporting me on Patreon. For other forms of love and support, you can follow this channel on Instagram or Twitter, or follow me personally. And now, it's no time. We first met not in a gym. But the next most popular place where you find all MMA fighters and improv theater. <laughs> so, yeah. how did it happen that one of UAE's fiercest fighters is interested in improv? Well, because like it's it's one of the most common places for MMA fighters to be hanging <laughs> out is an improv uh, improv uh, theater. Now, well, basically, it it was it was a a gift from from my wife actually from my missus for my birthday. Uh, because I'm really like I've I'm very interested in acting and theater. I've always wanted to do it since I was a kid. Unfortunately, in Morocco, it's not it's not a big thing. It's not you don't have big chances of of succeeding. Um, in in doing theater or or cinema or acting, so I just forgot about it kind of, but I translated that in a way without even realizing into my personality so i like to joke around i like to act people wind them up tease them a little bit pretend and and all that kind of stuff so so that's that's one thing and then the improv it's it's a way of getting your mind to think quicker and on the spot and i thought like we thought that that's that's going to help me improve my 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 reactions yeah um and and so that i can argue faster with my wife and i can <laughs> reply faster <laughs> and it helped it helped it helped yeah, honestly like i see a big improvements right? <laughs> <laughs> not but just now she just says no just shut up man shut <laughs> up <laughs> but not just the arguments with the wife my question would be do you did you find any benefits to uh, fighting from him no it's actually it's helping us communicate more actually Mm-hmm. It's helping. Oh, you mean we're like in fighting in MMA? Yeah, not not fighting yeah. with your wife. <laughs> yeah, not fighting with my wife, throwing yeah. fists and everything. No, I mean, <laughs> it, honestly, like it is it is helping me be sharper and and react faster. I've noticed that, uh, especially in my last two fights, which were the two fights after finishing the improv classes, and I've I feel like like for example during the improv class there was this exercise where. You had to work your reflex. You had to shoot people, not with a real weapon, but with your fingers, like. Pow, pow. So you had to shoot people, and it, I, I noticed that my reflexes were getting better and better. Actually, I was winning those games, those shooting games. I so was there. You were not just winning it. You, you were destroying it. You were destroying it. The game was like if you hear a certain uh, like a chord, then you have to shoot the person next to you. Or there's a there's a confusing element to it. 
And before you could even think of who to shoot, Anas is only bang. Uh, I was shot there. <laughs> I was there. I was shooting and loading at the same time straight away. <laughs> I was. I loved it. That was my favorite game. But no, it, it really did. I feel like it did improve my uh, my thinking quite a bit. That's that's interesting, yeah. um, because my gut instinct was that largely combat sports is a zero sum game. You're aiming to not get punched in the face. And improv, on the other hand, is very collaborative, where you're looking to build on what the other person does to you. So that was my instinct. And I thought maybe there's no link. And then I came across an interview by Ryan Hall. And also Bruce Lee used to always say, be water. And what they were implying was that if you find yourself in a certain position on a certain hold, your best plan of action is not to resist it because those holes are designed in a way that you will start sinking further and further. But to accept your position and then adapt to that and try to use your hand or your leg in some way and then move further from there. So that sense the improv's collaborative element, accepting where you are and accepting adversity might help you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, sometimes it's even like it's it's in fighting as well. Sometimes in life in general, I guess they say roll with the punches. Yeah. You know, some and to me that's improv as well. You you have to. Sometimes you have to roll with those punches, yeah? Whatever your friend uh, is throwing at you, don't just block, 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 but roll with it, you know? Yeah, for anyone who is a budding fighter, we're not suggesting that if you get punched in the face, you say, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that a, few, a couple of times. <laughs> it's exciting. It's exciting. It's not, it's not smart. It's not clever. But uh, sometimes it's very exciting. It's very, very exciting. Especially, like, for the spectators, like, if you see some of my highlights, I'm slipping and rolling with the yeah. punches. And uh, honestly, like, and it's helped me a few times. Like, for example, um, four fights back, uh, we had a fight in India, in Hyderabad, and I was fighting John Brown from uh, New Zealand. And the last few seconds, John didn't hear the bell. And he threw a punch after the bell. But I was, at, for me, I, for me, the fight finished. So I had my hands down. And somehow I could see the punch coming even after the bell. And because my hands were down, there was no time to put my hands up. So I rolled with the punch. Like I went with it. And luckily it didn't, it didn't hurt me, you know. I just, I absorbed that shock. And I was fine after that, you know. So it does help sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Okay, so I want to move back a bit. You were born in Casablanca, Morocco. If you had to describe Casablanca to someone who's never been there, how would you describe it? It's it's a big city, and there is a little bit of everything. There's everything. It's a, it's a, it's the economical capital of Morocco. So there's a, a mixture of all nations of all cultures over there and people coming from different cities to Casablanca to do commerce or business or, or whatever uh, there are some it, it is touristy there's there's traditional and modern mixed in one place uh, there are some beautiful beaches over there some really really good surfing spots as well so it's a bit of everything so it's better than Marrakesh huh um, <laughs> it's different. There's a rivalry. It's different. No, there's no rivalry. It's it's different. For example, in Marrakesh, there's no beach, but there are close to it. There are some really beautiful vi villages, beautiful waterfalls, beautiful mountains as well. 
the weather is is so much cleaner in Marrakesh than in Casablanca. Uh, a lot of people with asthma, for example, they go to Marrakesh because they can breathe better over there. And also the nightlife is beautiful in Marrakesh. There's a, a big square called Jamal Fna. And it comes alive at night. And you'll see like people selling food. Uh, some people doing like snakes charming. <laughs> some people yeah. with monkeys walking around. And some uh, singers, dancers. Um, music is played everywhere. There are some amazing food spots. So and like big big artisana spots as well yeah. it's it's just it's totally different than oh, Casablanca diplomatic answer I'm gonna I'm gonna push this further so what do you prefer the Tangia Marakshia or the Couscous uh, for me I prefer Couscous Couscous I prefer Couscous yes that's 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 an easy question actually <laughs> that's an easy question uh, Tangia is nice it's nice but Couscous is something else man okay let's make it a harder question you might like couscous, but I think your ultimate love, your soulmate is a biryani. Ah, <laughs> the Hyderabad biryani. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a great experience in Hyderabad, man. Like, man, like the, the, the spectators over there, they were amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And every, the hospitality over there was just great. I really had an amazing experience in Hyderabad. And the Hyderabad biryani was just... <laughs> It's something else. You had this amazing, and this video is on YouTube. If anyone wants to check it out, you did the open workout, and the announcer came up to you and they asked you your thoughts on the fight, and you spoke for a minute, I think, in Arabic. And unfortunately, not a lot of people in Hyderabad speak Arabic. Yeah. So, so just for the crowd at the end, you said roughly translated what I just said is, "I'm gonna punch him, he's gonna punch me, and then we're both gonna go for biryani." Yeah, and the yeah, crowd just yeah, went crazy. and the crowd just went crazy. <laughs> man. It was so funny. It was so funny. No, I had an amazing experience over there, and. Even like after the fight, like just the amount of 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 love that we got over there, it, it was it was it was humbling actually, and it was it was good. It was really good. It, I really have uh, like Hyderabad has a really good place in my heart. I, I had an amazing experience over there. Oh, that's amazing! It's growing the love for MMA over there. And big time, yeah. big time. Like after the fight. Like all the fighters, we were attacked by the spectators. They were all trying to take pictures with us. And, and like they didn't give us any space. They didn't let us go. Like straight after my fight, my my legs were all banged up. I couldn't walk properly. And I needed to go see a, a medic. And I had someone grabbing me by the, by the shoulder <laughs> or by the hand. Or, oh, just a picture, picture. And they were happy when I took the pictures with them. And one one person even came to the... To the warm-up area tried to take my hat because i wear this traditional yeah. moroccan hat and he tried to take it he was asking for it and i was like no not my hat <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have no respect for celebrities if someone is walking by just pick him just and say, it was funny it was yeah. hilarious like literally at some point someone was holding me by the pinky <laughs> and i couldn't move because I felt in danger. I felt like it was gonna snap my pinky if I if I was gonna move. Like it was holding it tight. It was yeah. like just just one picture. Uh, it was funny though. It was it was like I had good moments in Hyderabad. Honestly, crazy. Okay, so you grew up in Casablanca, and then you moved to the UK to study in IT management, and then from there you started working in the bank. So I, I worked for first for um, a company in Newcastle called true potential and it's it's a company that provides a customer service system to 
financial advisors to a lot of financial advisors in the UK. So it was more like I was doing I was doing um, system and implementation analysis. Uh, yeah, implementation analysis. I was basically I was customizing our system to their business needs. So I would analyze their business structure, customize the system, implement it, and then fix any any problems they have with it. Train them how to use the system as well. So it was more like an IT for finance with this company. And I worked for them for almost two years. And then uh, at the same time, I started training as well. And I started competing uh, in the amateur level. And I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitions and mixed martial arts competitions as well, or fights. And I wanted to train more. And I moved into the banking job to train more because I had like a shift, a good shift, which was four on, four off. So you work four days and you're off for four days. And if you take four days holiday, that's, that means you have 12 days vacation. You see, so it worked really well for me. It it helped me train more. So that's how I got into banking really into, uh, and I was working for Barclays at the moment, at that time, at that time. And it was a friend of mine who recommended the job to me, he said, like, Anas, you know, you have some potential. Why don't you come work in the bank? And at the same time, you can train and you can do your own thing in those four days. So I, I think it's, it will it will work for you really good. Uh, I'll never forget this. And my friend, Michael Dixon, he's one of my best friends in the UK. And he convinced me to do that. And that's how this whole thing started. We know all bankers want to be MMA fighters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just like they they go to the improv theater, all of them. <laughs> but was it a tough call for you to make? It was a very tough call. It was a very tough call. Like it was very, very confusing. It's it's the not knowing, you know, and and kind of being lost in limbo that really gets you all confused and you don't know what's gonna happen. And 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 my parents were worried as well. What am I doing? And they didn't know the reason why I was doing that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a tough call, yes. And then you moved to the UAE to pursue that. So problem. basically how that happened. So I started working for, for Barclays and 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 I was doing good actually. I was I started enjoying all the training, all um all the fights, all the competing the competitions. And then um in 2012, if I recall, I had a fight, a professional fight. I turned pro by then, and it was on Made for the Cage, a really good promotion in the UK. And I I finished the fight with an amazing knockout. It's a cartwheel kick. It's a one-handed cartwheel kick, and it's a very rare thing to see in, in, in MMA. And it went viral. It went viral like... Uh, even in the US, they were airing it on this uh, show called Inside MMA by Bas Rutten, if you remember. And Bas Rutten is one of the legends. He's one of my favorite fighters. So I was buzzing. And it went viral. And then I got a call from a promotion that's ba- that was based in the Middle East called Desert Force. And they called me. They wanted me to fight for them. They invited me. We uh, agreed on a, on a contract. And then I had a fight here in Dubai in 2013 against an amazing fighter called Ali Ahli. He's an Emirati fighter, one of the best fighters I've ever met and one of the best human beings I've ever met. And it was an amazing fight. 
and I won that fight by TKO by technical knockout. And then I went back to the to the UK doing my job, my normal job. And and then I received a, a message one year later or two years later from a training center here in the UAE that uh, messaged me called Fit Republic. And they messaged me and they said, look, we're going to open a training center here and I would like you to come and, and coach here and train out of here and fight out of here. We're going to support your your career as well. You can stay active and and do your training, do your fights. And it was it was a very, very attractive offer that what they offered as well, like pay-wise as well. And even the idea was really attractive, like, okay, this is this is the dream, you know? And then especially here, Dubai, it's an amazing city. The UAE is an amazing country. And I thought, you know what? Why not? And I had a few choices as well. It was like either, either come into the UAE to work for Fit Republic or go into Boston. I got an offer in Boston from another gym, but I would have had to work extra, like have two or three jobs to pay the rent and and then be able to train until I get a few more fights. Because back then I only had like three fights or something like that, three professional fights, which is not a lot for a fighter. Um, it was that it was doing my PhD in the UK. I got accepted for a PhD in at Durham University, or going to Morocco. So I thought about it and I weighed the pros and cons, and I thought, you know what, let's 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 follow the dream. Let's follow that passion. You know, my passion was martial arts at that time, and and I came to Dubai. You mentioned earlier it was tough convincing your parents that you're going to make a career out of beating people. For no, honestly, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I've mentioned this before in uh, other interviews. I, I fought mixed martial arts for three years without my parents knowing. My parents didn't know. They thought I was just competing in jiu-jitsu, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so, How did they find out? They found out the through some, <laughs> they found out through someone else who saw one of my fights on YouTube randomly. Shit. Yeah, so <laughs> it was it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> they they went they they were mad, which is understandable, you know. They were really mad. Yeah. But they now were it's really fine. upset. Now they they understand and they know that it's my passion. They say that I'm happy. They're still they still don't fully understand it because. Because of all the time, the effort and money that we've spent in getting my master's degree, my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, getting that work experience as well for five years or something like that, and then leave all of that behind to go fight in in a cage, you know? It's not a lot of people understand it, but it there's a lot behind that or to that because it's not just going into a cage and fighting it's the whole training aspect the science behind it uh the coaching as well like i'm coaching now in team nogara dubai and just getting that experience and and giving it to someone else and teaching them and seeing the results and seeing like a kid doing a punch or a kick and becoming more confident and learning how to defend themselves if they're getting bullied or or even uh, an adult losing the weight and becoming healthier and and happier that that brings joy to me you know like it's it's something big to me and it's that that human interaction you're not just sitting in front of a 
computer and just like crunching numbers and there's there's like targets on your back and someone is shouting or stressing you and you're working so hard nine to five to make someone else happy and you're not happy and you know what I mean? Not having the time or the energy to go and train and becoming fit and then becoming unwell and becoming, it's not, it wasn't for me. You just described my life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope this will will help people or motivate people into like following their passion, you know? So now what I want to do is I'm going to indulge you in a thought experiment. And the experiment is that I want to become an MMA fighter. I know you're only starting to smile. I know you really need to stretch your imagination because we both know that I'm going to get knocked out in the first jab itself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, you never know, man. Never know. <laughs> not just the first jab. I think, you know, when the referee says... Fight. Uh, no, not even just fight. Like, keep it clean, touch gloves. <laughs> touch gloves and I'm going to get knocked out. If it's a guy like Yoel Romero, probably get knocked out in the veins itself, just looking at him. Or, Can you imagine? Yeah, he does a backflip and I'm like, I'm out, guys. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Yeah. Okay, but we are going to push our imagination today and we are going to assume that I'm going to become a fighter. Okay. And I'm just not, I don't want to be any fighter. I want to be the next Moroccan sensation. Okay. Indian version. Mm -hmm. So it's like those video game characters you see, like build a superstar. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's me over there. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you some questions on what you do with regards to becoming a champ. Yeah. And then we're going to start putting that in and try to make a fighter All just right. like you. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing we'll start with is naturally the training camp and your workout routine. Mm -hmm. So how do you structure that? And how do you split between striking, grappling, jiu-jitsu, strength and conditioning, cardio, weightlifting? Yeah, uh, I mean, usually you have you have a head coach that does that for you, usually. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't have, or I, I didn't have that for the last couple of fights. I didn't really have a head coach. I had friends helping me with my fight camp professional fighters friends but not a head coach that would guide me and would organize things for me but usually in normal situations you have a head coach that would that would put a schedule together i would put a team together and put it like around the fighter you know if you're fighting for example and i'm your head coach i'm gonna make a schedule for example uh sunday we'll start with the grappling like drills, technical uh, sparring, and then you're gonna have a, a break, and then maybe at uh, 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. after like five hours of rest, you're gonna have your strength and conditioning. So it's gonna be like either weights or something like plyometrics or something like that. The next day we're gonna do pads, for example, like boxing or kickboxing, whatever you're good at work on your weaknesses, work on your technique. And it's uh, at the same time, it's some sort of conditioning. Then again, you go, you have your rest and at night, you're either going to run or uh, we're going to do some wrestling, like for example, positions, um, like specific situations, uh, how to get out of bad spots and or wrestling against the wall, like as if... Uh, for example, Khabib uses the wall a lot to take people down or how to defend against someone who's trying to take you down against uh, the wall. Uh, the next day is going to be sparring, for example. So today is going to be a tough day. We're going to do a few rounds of sparring and you're going to take the rest of the day off to recover. Go do your ice bath or you get a massage or just sleep and rest. Go for a walk if you want to. 
Um, the day after is going to be again some uh, grappling, for example. So it's good to mix things up so that your body recovers in certain aspects and then works in others. Um, but usually, yes, there is a head coach that comes up with the schedule. For me, I had some friends, for example, Tariq Suleiman, uh, my friend Franco from the gym, my teammate Dwight. I had a few few people helping me with that, as in, but it depends on when they're available. So we have to agree day by day, which is not really, uh, it's not it's not great. Right. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. We had to just do it, you know, we had to get it done. It depends on who was available. There are some uh, friends of mine, some Moroccan guys, good kickbox kickboxers and Muay Thai fighters like Taha, Mehdi. They're really good champions. Nabil. And they helped me with the striking, for example. And some of them, they were like, you know what, Anas, if you need to wrestle, wrestle, go shoot for your takedown, you know? They know how to clinch, but they don't know how to wrestle and how to grapple. But still, bless them, they were trying to help, you know? And like, this is this is my my how how my training camps went like it was group of friends training together and helping each other and now it's my turn thank god i don't have any injuries after my fight so i have to jump in to help them as well they have fights in two weeks so i have to be there change my style luckily i know how to change my style as well try and change my style into a muay thai fighter or a k1 kickboxing fighter and and then try and help them as well is there a specific reason you don't have a head coach uh, unfortunately, the thing the thing that people don't really know about uh, the martial arts scene here, which I'm sure we're going to speak about later, is not everyone is going to be able to do this full-time or for a living because living is expensive. You got to pay the bills. You need to work to do this. And a lot of the martial artists or mixed martial artists here who are professionals they have other jobs or they're doing private sessions to earn their money or they're working at different gyms. So you're not going to have someone who's a proper head coach unless they're getting paid by a gym or getting paid by an academy or your whatever your team is. And unfortunately, I don't have that luxury. Mm. You mentioned you train, it sounded like at least 8-10 hours per day. Uh, it was... Probably three hours a day. I'm a bit of a maniac as well. Like my friends had to slow me down because I'm always active. Like I'm always pushing hard because I, I thought before for me to be able to drop weight, I have to train like crazy because I'm not really disciplined disciplined with my food. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fat kid inside, you know, <laughs> like that fat kid is trying to come out every single time, you know what I mean? Like, uh, so I thought, I thought I have to kill myself in training in order to be able to, to have that cardio, that strength and to be able to drop the weight. But it's not the case. It's not the case. You can, you can still drop the weight by just burning more than what you eat. Uh, it's good to eat healthy. So that you get all the macros and your, you know, our body is a machine. It needs good fuel instead of bad fuel in. Um, so my friends had to slow me down. But yeah, usually it's like three hours, three hours every day. You're one of the few people who will have this issue of overtraining because the rest of us, we suffer from undertraining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you touched upon recovery. 
Yes. So that's a very important part of your routine. It honestly, it's big part of 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 the fight camp. It's a it's it's a major part of the fight camp because I've I've had it happen to me some in some fights where I went to the fight and I'm fatigued, absolutely fatigued and. And it didn't work well for me. You know, sometimes the brain is is saying, get your hands up, defend your face, and your arms are just not responding, you know. So, yeah, recovery is a big part of a fight camp. Is sleep an important factor? Yeah, sleep uh, helps majorly in, in, in the performance of the athlete. Like, I've done a lot of research recently, and you can improve your performance by a lot in just by getting a lot of sleep or enough sleep right okay so we have a good idea of your training camp and your recovery let's put that in into the superstar yeah. so the next thing is diet yeah i'm going to take a guess here biryani is not part of your diet when you're training not. When you're training for a fight. i wish i wish it was <laughs> i wish it was but no biryani pizza burgers cakes chocolates biscuits no it's not part of it um it's better to have like a nutritionist or a food company prepare the meals for you because it really helps a lot. You just forget about that aspect. You chill, you get the food delivered to you. Um, your nutritionist is checking your weight, your BMI, your body fat, your water, your muscle uh, mass, and they calculate everything for you. They check your cal caloric uh, expenditure and then they take they they calculate everything and they saw everything like all the macros for you uh that's the best way that's the most ideal way of doing it what type of foods do they recommend for you for example what i was having a lot like the company that i was working with they they the good thing about them is they didn't really make the same thing every day so i wasn't getting bored um for example uh, for the breakfast i would have an omelet with some avocado or and some vegetables or they had these nice uh protein pancakes with fruits and and uh, peanut butter sauce uh i had a snack which would be like for example um some fruits or some nuts and blueberries or they had these small snacks made out of like, you know, those date bowls as well. Uh, for lunch, it would be either chicken with rice and vegetables or salmon with vegetables, some potatoes. Um, it can be steaks, steak as well. Um, for dinner, usually I had, I had salmon and some uh, greens, some leaves, stuff like that. Like it, it varies. It varies every single day. So there was a period when the Game Changers documentary was pretty famous, which recommended a vegan diet for yes. fighters. Is that yeah. something you looked into? I I don't know if I can do it or not. Like I I would love to, but it would have to be someone making the food for me and making it like very very interesting. If you know what I mean, it can't be just bland. Like I would I wouldn't mind doing it. I and I I've seen like there's a lot of athletes that have turned vegan lately or they have been vegan and they're amazing athletes their performance is just amazing like for example the diaz brothers they don't eat meat and they're doing triathlons and uh, triathlons and, and like their their conditioning is just on a different level you know like I'd, i wouldn't refuse doing it i would do it but it, it'll have to be like interesting food is there a particular split that you're following between your 
proteins, carbs, fats, fibers. Yeah, the, I mean, that's why I said like it's very important to get a good nutritionist because they can calculate all the macros for you, like your fats, uh, protein, carbs, all of that kind of stuff. And what is your pre-fight meal like? Do you have a meal before the fight or the day before? Yeah, you have to. I mean, the day before the fight, there's the weigh-ins. And then before that, there's the weight cut, which is a big process in the fighting scene, as you know. Like, you have to meet a cer- or reach a certain weight category. For example, in my last fight, um, one week before my fight, I was 76 kilos, 77. And then I had to reach 70 kilos or 70.3 to be exact. And I reached 70.1. And that was due to dieting and something we're called the 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 weight cut which is it's not a weight loss it's you're you're kind of dehydrating yourself you're removing some water from your body and then you have more than or 24 hours or more to put it back on and recover and rehydrate get all the carbs in and all that so like before the fight i would i would i would have a meal which is which has some carbs, some protein. I wouldn't indulge on on chocolates and cakes and all that. You can't do that because then you're going to feel bad for your fight, you know? Because especially like it's been like a, a few weeks that you're eating healthy and then all of a sudden the day before the fight or the day of the fight you're going to eat bad. It's, it's going to cause problems for sure. Naturally. Do you sleep well before a fight? I try. I try yeah. to. I try to sleep during the fight camp. I try to sleep well um sometimes it's not the case no just the day before the fight are you able the to day before the fight yeah. the day before you know what like uh, yeah i've been i've been sleeping okay like the last few fights and i think it's thanks to another gift from my wife just like the improv which is called um it's called nlp nlp neurolinguistic programming and i've been listening to these nlps and it's it really helps uh, strengthen the mindset and I think it really helped me mentally like that mental strength as well and that helped me relax more and sleep better that's amazing we'll check it yeah. out and something else that I've added as well into my diet is magnesium that helps relax the muscles and it, it really improves the sleep for me personally Interesting. Just so, just it's, digesting the fact. Yeah, it's very. It's now the fight game is very scientific. You know, like before yeah. they used to say, yeah, just eat eat a lot of white rice or pasta yeah. or or some people that would go like I remember we would go straight after the weigh-ins or before the fight we would go to Nando's in the UK <laughs> and just have a lot of fries and cheeky Nando's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and like you can't do that now because there's a lot of science behind it. So things are, are and, and the more you research, the the more interesting it is, mm-hmm. you know. You touched upon the weight cut as well. You naturally drop a lot of weight. You fight in lightweight and you fought in the welterweight in the past as well and middleweight. So you're clearly cutting a lot of weight to come down to lightweight. What does that day look like and how do you prepare yourself? Because it's mentally taxing and physically taxing. It's probably one of the worst days a fighter goes through. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is one of the toughest days or processes that the fighters go through. Um, I've I've learned kind of how to do the weight cut just through experience, fight out of after fight, and before I used to just 
like my coach would tell me how to do it or my teammates would tell me how to do it but then recently um i've done a lot of research and and like studied it in in more depth um to know how to do it and it's like one weight cut might or one weight cut process might work for me but might not work for you because we're we're totally different you know our body is totally different so i had to find the way that works for me and yeah like before i used to be a fatty so i used to fight at middleweight then i saw that the people that i was fighting they were giants you know so i got tired of that and i fought in welterweight then i found that they were still big you know because i'm not tall i'm like one one seventy eight or one seventy seven one seventy eight probably maximum and i was fighting big big people so then that's why i dropped to lightweight and then I fought John Brewin in uh, India, who's one meter eighty-five or one eighty-three. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, what's going on? <laughs> so go to so, featherweight yeah. next. So, <laughs> maybe I, yeah, I'll need to cut a leg to reach fe- featherweight or something like that. It's doable. It's doable, but I think it's going to be tough. Right. So we got the diet. We put that in. One final thing I want to touch upon the physical elements is supplements. Do you take any supplements for that? Uh, so far. I've been taking just like uh, amino acids, um, multivitamins, magnesium, uh, omega-3, stuff like that. Like even because I worked with this company, like food-wise, I tried to take all my proteins and fats and all that from, from the food. You know, if you keep it natural, it's better than like adding supplements that were chemically changed or or modified or stuff like that. You know. Yeah. You mentioned Nick Diaz. Yes. He recommends a supplement called weed. <laughs> <laughs> Once there's a reporter who went up to him and they asked him, "Don't you think your fighting career is coming the sorry? Don't you think your smoking is coming the way of your fighting career?" And he said, "I think my fighting career is coming the way of my smoking." Ah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. You know, they yeah. they they are big on on marijuana, aren't they? Like they're big on weed. And um, there's a lot of fighters now taking like CBD and CBD oils and and yeah, John Jones looking at you. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> there's a lot of fighters now, especially in Europe or the US. Or um, I've never tried to see how it helps with performance. To be honest, so I can't really. Uh, I can't really tell you how how it helps, but it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. I imagine like the Diaz brothers, they're beating people up stoned. Imagine if they were sober. <laughs> I mean, he beat Connor. Yeah, yeah while stoned. Yeah. <laughs> okay, amazing. So we've got the physical elements in. We have started to see our Indian Moroccan sensation. Let's move on to the mental aspects. So. How do you prepare mentally for a fight? How do you, do you visualize your opponent? Your routines in place? Yes, I do a lot of visualization. I have to work all the scenarios. Usually, I don't really watch my uh, opponent's fight beforehand, before the fight. Uh, I like to be ready for anything and everything. And usually, it's uh, if I if I have like my corners or or my cornermen or my coaches, they're the ones that watch the fight and tell me what to do and make a plan for it. But like I mentioned earlier, there's that NLP, that neuro-linguistic programming. That helps me mentally a lot. 
um, I use that quite a lot, and I think it it has really improved my mental game. Henry Suhudo, I came across his interview. He mentioned that he used to simulate the entire pay per view experience in his training camps. So he used to get the announcer, entrance music, cut men, and just act like it's the pay per view. And then there's someone like Bruce Buffer doing the announcement. That was the next level of visualization. So he was simulating it completely. So nothing is new on the day. It, it must it must have worked because look <laughs> at him. Like he, he did amazing, right? So it must it must have helped. It must have worked for him. But like I said before, some things that might work for me might not work for you and, and vice versa. Like, for example, uh, let's see, GSP, for example. He's like, this is a sport. I'm an athlete. I'm a martial artist. Uh, I do it to, to, to do it for myself. But, for example, the, the Diaz brothers, they're like, we're going to a fight. I'm going to hate you. You know what I mean? Like, I, we're not friends. We're not here to be friends. I'm here to beat you up and I'm, I need to hate you to fight you. You know? So, it depends. Everyone's different. Do you have any superstitions that you follow? Uh, not superstitions, but uh, I pray. I pray a lot. I pray for my safety, for my opponent's safety. Uh, I pray for the win. Uh, but, uh, no, I don't have, like, some kind of uh, superstition. How do you prepare mentally to face pain in a fight? This is one of the biggest obstacles for a lot of people because you might have a good fight, but you might come out with a broken nose, broken hands, legs. You will take a few bruises, probably might not walk properly for a week or a month, can't sit. You can't, I mean, you know it's going to happen every time you sign up for a fight. How do you prepare for that? Honestly, like I don't, I don't really think about it too much like i said i do pray a lot for my safety and my opponent's safety and 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 i just it's just you just go with it if you know what i mean from my experience with the adrenaline you don't really feel a lot of pain unless something is is really damaged um as an example i had a fight here in dubai in 2016 i think if i remember well against a really really good fighter called alfie davis and he's like he's got that karate and taekwondo style and he caught me with a beautiful spinning back elbow and broke my nose and blood was splashing everywhere blood was coming out everywhere and i could feel that my nose was out of place and i couldn't breathe out of my nose but at the same time i couldn't feel the pain so i just got on with it and continued the fight and it was for in the first round when that happened so i just had like three rounds of fight with a broken nose um so that helped me mentally as well the fact that i've been through it and it it didn't really hurt that much but i try not to think about that too much i think you'll see a lot of fighters trying to just block that that part of the fight yeah i was thinking of practicing by hitting my toe on a table no, oh, that wouldn't help. That <laughs> or stepping on Lego. That, I don't know why it's so painful. No, uh, yeah, maybe stepping on a Lego is <laughs> it was or hurt me more than yeah. than broken Do nose. Ten reps of stepping on stepping Lego. Stepping on a Lego, <laughs> hitting your small toe against the table. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing I want to touch upon is mental warfare. This is something in the recent past Conor McGregor is very famous for, and arguably has helped him against his fights against Jose Aldo and Eddie Alvarez. In the past, it was Chael Sonnen and then Muhammad Ali, who was the OG in mental warfare. Is this something you believe in? Do you think it adds to your... I do believe in, in that. Uh, do I do it? I don't really do it. Um, 
And the reason why, like, for example, speaking of the fight that I spoke about earlier, the Alfie Davis, he was horrible. Like, the full week leading to the fight, he called me all sorts of names. He insulted my family. He 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 posted it on Instagram, on all over social media. The, I was I was shocked and surprised as well. Like even the promotion that we were fighting for, that was based here in the Middle East, and they they knew they were bringing the show to Dubai. They reposted all of that stuff, and he was saying some bad things. And for me, I couldn't reply. I couldn't reply back. And the reason why is because I have a lot of kids that are in my classes following me on social media. So I couldn't really say those things. I have my parents following me. I have the parents of these kids following me. I have, for example, Shakes and Shakers following me on Instagram and watching what I'm doing. And I, you have to be respectful, you know what I mean? Like, especially if I want to lead as an example. And one of my, one of, uh, my favorite fighters that is GSP, for example. He, he did it without the trash talk. And for me, because we were fighting on these how can I say, small organizations, <coughs> excuse me, like these small promotions, you don't need to sell the fight. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're going to sell pay-per-view and make money out of it. So there was no need for trash talk. Yeah, if, you, if we're in the UFC, for example, and we're fighting like for a big, massive fight and we need to sell the fight, we need to hype it, we need to get the fans in. We need to sell pay-per-view. I totally understand that. I totally understand you need to make a show out of it. But some people like McGregor lately, they took it too far. You know, like it it became personal. Like, for example, the Khabib versus McGregor fight, he insulted his family, his whole nation. When it becomes like that big, it's something else. It's not just a sport. It's It's personal. It's personal. And that's why... I think while Habib was beating up McGregor, he was talking to him the yeah. whole time. And, and if you remember, McGregor went like, it's just business. It's just and business. Then, yeah. No, it's not. It's not. You've, you've made it personal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there is a line that... There is a line not to cross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you mentioned sure. GSP and you say he never trash talk. I think that his, his best attempt at trash talking was when he went to one of the fighters and said... I am not impressed by I your performance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who was it? Was it against was Diaz? It Matt? I think it was Matt. Uh, it was Sarah. Nick, Nick Diaz. No, I thought because I'm not. Uh, there was a good performance, Matt. But I am not impressed by your performance. I am <laughs> not impressed by your performance. <laughs> that was the funniest thing ever. It was a big meme at the time, wasn't it? It went viral. I am not impressed by your performance. <laughs> now every time I see it's written. I hear it. Yeah, in that. I, hear it. I hear it as well. People yeah. say you can't hear a picture. Yes, you can. <laughs> All this picture GSP. Interesting. So now I want to touch upon the last element. We have almost got an Indian Moroccan sensation. The final element is coaching. We have uh, spoken about your coaching. I mean, not having a head coach and working with friends in the past, but you are also a coach. You are an MMA coach. You have worked in gyms. You're a trainer as well. So I want to uh, check with you two schools of thought on coaching. One is that a coach is meant to be your support system, your friend, someone who's there to positively reinforce you and work on improving you naturally. But he's there to boost your confidence, boost your morale, self-esteem. That's one side. The other end is, I don't, I'm not sure if you watched this movie, uh, Whiplash, uh, Black Swan. So 
in both in both basically it's the whiplash is about a jazz drummer who meets a physically and verbally abusive coach and he's very toxic but he's toxic to an extent that he forces the student to become so good because he's so uncomfortable that he changes his entire personality and he becomes a drummer that he would have never been if he had just been the person he was in his comfort zone so on one hand you have this coach who is very abusive very toxic and is trying to ensure that you never in your comfort zone in fact in the movie what he says is that there are no two words in the english language that are more dangerous than good job because it gets you complacent and then on the other hand you have coaches that are always there to hype you who are always there for positive reinforcement but it has also worked in their detriment so ronda rousey for example her coaches used to always back her up and they never worked on her striking and then that really crashed on her so where do you stand on this um i i honestly think like the coach has to know the fights are pers- at at a personal level yes uh they have to be supportive yes into improving their their uh, not just technical the technical aspects but like the character as well as a fighter but they have to be honest as well if 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 it's time for some tough love then so be it if the fighter is mad and not taking it uh from a good point then that's 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 their problem you know uh there has to be that transparency you know what i mean like i, I honestly i totally believe that um yeah so it has to be a mixture a mixture of both like the coach has to find that balance but also it depends on the fighter like every fighter is different for example some fighters they they'll they'll get slapped and that will fire them up You know some fighters they getting slapped three or four times hard before getting inside the cage and that gets them fired up. Some other fighters you might slap them and they'll be like what what do you think you're doing, you know what I mean? And and then just might get them like down, you know? So it depends on that's why I said the coach has to know the fighter on a personal level as well. Right. Okay. So we have all the elements in place. We have built our indian moroccan sensation and then now the next step is to fight for the championship so you are currently the lightweight champion and at some point you might have to fight the lightweight champion of the world khabib who is largely seen as a puzzle in the mma community he is undefeated not just undefeated he has never been knocked down never been cut open never lost a round arguably so he is he is the epitome So let's say I'm going to fight Khabib or you're going to fight Khabib. Yeah. One, do you think you can win and how do you think you would go about that fight? Wow. Can <laughs> I become a Dagestani wrestler instead of a Moroccan <laughs> Indian uh, fighter? <laughs> um honestly like it for me I think we need to add into our fighter we need to add some wrestling conditioning, some Dagestani style wrestling conditioning where he wouldn't stop or she wouldn't stop at all and not gas out because i think that's that's the key the key is to prepare like the wrestling conditioning and the wrestling defense and then add some some striking some some good technical striking striking aspect to it um to beat habib you need to have that condition because there's a lot of people that they get tired they like if you see i saw a, a picture of dustin poirier getting 
taken down and like trying to catch the breath going like open mouth there was Dustin Poirier McGregor and I can't remember who was the third one both opening their mouth so wide to grasp that air because it looked like they were trying drowning and then there's the picture of the bear as well yeah that he was resting <laughs> doing the same thing yeah. you know so imagine <laughs> someone doing that to a bear yeah. and you know what i mean it's 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 a different level um so the wrestling has to be like that dagestani style rough wrestling where you're just constantly constantly moving you know so if you were in the ring with him how, what would you do what do you think is one thing people haven't done so far Man, like, uh, Justin came in with a good strategy. Justin's strategy was good. I would try and do the same strategy. Try and be in the center of uh, of the cage. Not not let him put me towards the cage, you know. Um, he threw some really, really good kicks, some heavy punches. But then at the same time, Habib just took them. He took those punches, you know, and just kept pressing forward. So... If I, I honestly think like if Justin followed that 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 game plan and stayed in the center, but at the same time, if he had that that conditioning to just keep moving, moving, moving the whole time and not let it get to his head, he could have done some some more damage, you know. It's still a uh, tough way, tough prospect. It's a very tough <laughs> thing. Like Justin came in with the right strategy, the correct game plan, but it's totally different when you're inside the cage. And honestly, like, I don't think we know how much or how, uh, what's the level of wrestling and grappling of Habib. Yeah. Unless you're with, Unless with you're him the there, cage. you know? Okay. So you touched upon this about the Dagestani style of wrestling, which is starting to dominate MMA. And in the past, we have seen a decade of domination by Jiu Jitsu. Before that, wrestling used to be considered the sport uh some people have argued for judo as well so now what i want to do is we have this segment called idea incubator where i try to learn something new from my guest every day and with you what i want to do today is i want to explore since now we're moving to territory of mixed martial arts what do you think are the most dominant fighting styles that every fighter needs to have now wing chong <laughs> uh, it's you know what? Bruce Lee had something right. You know, he said, be water. You know what I mean? Like, and I honestly, I 100% believe that you need to learn everything, especially in this modern day and age of mixed martial arts. Now, everybody's learning mixed martial arts since an early age. You know, when they start, they start with mixed martial arts. They don't just start with one discipline or the other, like, like what was the case at the pa in the past or what I started with. Like, for example, I started with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when I first started. I've done some martial arts as a kid, but it was like Aikido, uh, some Kung Fu. And I would do one month, get bored, not be disciplined, and go back to football, you know? Because for us in Morocco, football is uh, the national sport, you know? Uh, unless there are a lot of people doing kickboxing. Where I was, there weren't a lot of gyms a lot of kickboxing gyms so i couldn't really access it you know you know what i mean so it was football for me the whole time and then if you've had if you if you have a fight it's a fight during the football game or 
if you're going to school and like my neighborhood was split into two and we would fight going to school or going to buy bread or going to get grocery shopping for your for my mother you know what i mean so but uh i i think like a lot of people now they learn mixed martial arts so they do everything and that's that's how it should be you should be good at everything because you never know where the fight would go you never know yes every fight starts standing up so you have to have a good striking or at least good good defense you know how to protect yourself you know and then if you want to take the front the 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 fight to the floor but what i would recommend parents to do for example if they have kids is enter them into either brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling you know especially for me i think brazilian jiu-jitsu it, it includes kind of the wrestling you know what i mean like the, you're taking the the fight to the floor you continue on the floor and to me it's like human chess it's not just depending on muscle or strength you have to think you have to think two or three steps ahead of of your opponent for me i'm more i'm leaning more towards brazilian jiu-jitsu or wrestling Joe Rogan has described. Oh, <laughs> don't worry about it. No, leave it. Don't worry about it. Oh, you've broken your my masterpiece. Yeah. Well, I was very proud. Of that's it. how it goes now. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Rogan has spoken about jujitsu being a language. In a way, what you're learning, the moves and the holds you're learning are just like your vocabulary. Yeah. And then what you do on the days, you're just speaking it out. You're, in a way, it's also improv. Yeah. Because or it's like jazz music. You're yeah. doing holds that, like you might have not. plan for them but you know them yeah now you're just trying to see how you can transition from one into another and you're playing on the mat it's i totally agree with that i totally agree with that and i think it showed it, like it came back to me in my last fight my last fight i won by submission and i ha- i'll be honest with you i haven't been doing a lot of jiu jitsu as much as before especially for this fight i was focusing more on striking and i thought that i was going to stand up and strike with the with my opponent but it just happened i pressed him against the cage took him down and he managed to sweep me and i went for an armbar and he defended the armbar and all of a sudden i can feel like my body is moving on its own i'm not even thinking so from the armbar to the omoplata from the omoplata back to the triangle to armbar to triangle to armbar and then i finished with the triangle and i was it it hit me i wasn't even thinking it's just my body moved on its own because i've practiced this this uh combination or this chain so many times that it just became a muscle memory so you recommend jiu jitsu or wrestling because even we've seen the trend in mma as well is that if someone's a good striker but their wrestling's poor they get called out after a while but good wrestlers with decent striking or average striking might still make it really far initially that was the criticism for khabib where they used to say striking has never been challenged but you never even got to see him strike because he was just wrestling his way to the championship and you actually got to see him on the feet with a good striker was working corner in in the third round and he showed that he can stand up to them and now with the justin fighter as well but what we largely notice is that wrestlers they will dominate regardless of what their striking capabilities are Yeah. which is something Ben Askren tried to exploit but it didn't work out well for him. Yeah, unfortunately. You know, uh, it didn't work out well for Ben Askren against uh, Masvidal did yeah. it. For funky Ben Askren. Yeah. All right. Amazing. So that's so we have clearly established a dominant 
uh, wrestling style. Before we move on to a few, the last stages of the question, I want to check with you quickly. You've been involved in the scene in UAE for a long time now. What is it like? What is the scene with MMA here? And where do you think it's heading? And who are some fighters to look out for apart from you, of course? You know what? It's it's heading towards the the right direction. Like it's compared to when to the first time I I came here as an adult, it was 2013. There weren't a lot of shows. We were like I had the fight in 2013, and then I came came in 2014, where I, I lived. I started living here. We were struggling to get to get fights at some point. Like everyone who was living here. We were struggling big time to get fights because there weren't a lot of promotions. But now, and even and especially for the amateurs, in the amateur scene, there weren't a lot of promotions here in the mixed martial arts. But now we can see a lot of uh, promotions coming up, and the 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 MMA scene is growing more and more here. And there might be a time where there's gonna be a show every month. And I, I totally believe that there's going to be a show every month from uh, 2021. Hopefully, if, if if the world doesn't end by then. <laughs> Imagine like, yeah, we Imagine. passed 2020. This well, is that's a family show, man. <laughs> Kids are watching. Because yeah, right? <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, New Year's Eve. 2019 we're celebrating we're like yeah this year we're gonna rock it's gonna be an amazing year and then covid hits <laughs> nope it's not happening but uh yeah I, I believe that there might be like a show every month here in the uae so which is big you know that's 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 really something it's grown too fast too soon right i mean it's, it's, it's very good like especially now that uh, abu dhabi is hosting the ufc uh, I think it's a really good thing for the UAE and, and the Middle East in general. You just off camera, you were sharing some memories of having watched one of the rising stars in UFC comes out. You have seen him backstage. What is that experience like? Oh, it's an amazing experience. He's such a nice guy, but at the same time, he's a monster. He's <laughs> scary. He's scary. His wrestling is unbelievable, but people were sleeping on his striking because like even before his last fight, when he knocked out his his opponent, like me in my in my uh, corner at that time in 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 Hyderabad, we fought on on the same card and in in Abu Dhabi, we saw his strike and we saw him hitting the pads to warm up backstage, and man, he's got some power. It, it was scary, scary to see those punches. So we knew that he could he could either finish things by finish the fights by wrestling by grappling or by knocking people out. Yeah, I'm quite scary to see his rise and what he'll do next. Yeah, I think people are are really really uh, thinking a lot before calling him out or or trying to fight him. An interesting fight that I would like to see was Darren Till because Darren Till called him out, didn't he? That would have been very, very interesting. But uh, I don't think it's happening next season. Maybe Mike Perry first. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and you asked me about rising rising fighters in here. The UAE. There's in the UAE, there's a few uh there's a few fighters that have just started. The some of them fought on the same show as me, like uh Mohammed Moti. Mo Moti, he was cool. He's and he's funny as well. He he his nickname is the Gorilla, and he did his workout wearing a gorilla costume, and it was funny. 
there's uh, Mohamed Osseili, there's uh, Dwight Brooks. Um, there are quite a few stars coming up now in the Middle East. And then there are a few stars in Morocco that are coming up as well that I'm looking forward to watching. Amazing. Okay, so before we move into our final series of questions, um, I would like you to interpret what we have built with the Lego. Unfortunately, you lost the masterpiece that you were yeah. building. Well, I was building a gun. <laughs> but yeah. I did build a gun. It was a beautiful gun, but then I lost it. And then now yeah. uh, I'm settling with this uh, little... What do you think it is? What it does looks it like an animal to me. First, I thought of a giraffe because of the long neck, but there's no head. That's that's the tail. Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, it could be a lizard. I don't know. Could be a lizard or a big lizard, like a dinosaur. Yeah. Is that what you're consciously building? Uh, that's what I was building. I was oh. trying to go with the short arms, yeah, like a T-Rex, T-Rex. <laughs> but, but it didn't work out well. Okay. But what do you think I've done here? Spaceship. Or a pl- Which one? This <laughs> one is a jet or a spaceship. Oh, yeah. Like what is it? A jet? A fighter jet? I mean, I was just building something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Nothing in mind. This one doesn't look like much to me. Well, like are a you, desk? Are you going to insult my art? <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what do you think? What is this? Well, now that you've said a jet, I can't get that picture out of my head. It does look like a jet, right? Or a, spa- or a spaceship. Yeah. Or a spaceship, yeah. Built a lot of spaceships in these episodes. This is my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a much better one. A, a, much, a more advanced gun. Yeah, more advanced. Like, <laughs> you, you know the size and the shape it needs to change at some point. I'm not sure what this is. It looks like an alien, actually. I don't know if you can see the two eyes. Ah, yes, yeah. I can see that. A little yeah. bit of E.T. Yeah. And then I think there's just nonsense lying around here. Yeah, random. Just things random, that I uh, a, a tractor with one tire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to a final stage of questions. What are some role models or people or books or movies that have had a very strong influence in your life? Um, my my parents, my parents, they had they are my role models because they really had to struggle in life and build something from nothing. Uh, they did their best to to uh, to raise me and my brothers the best way they could. They uh, treated us fairly and. And nicely, um, honestly, like my my parents are up there. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm so allowed to speak about like religion wise. Sure. For example, uh, the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. Um, he's he's one of the role models that I try to to uh, imitate and and follow. Um, as a fighter. As a fighter, there are there's obviously, of course, Muhammad Ali is 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 a role model for a lot of fighters. Uh, Bas Rutten is one of my favorites. Uh, GSP is one of my favorites as well. Um, and these these are the people that are probably shaping me into my my character and the way I am right now. If there's a, if you had to recommend a video or a book or a movie for someone who's just getting into fighting, is there something that stands out to you? Um, as as a movie, there is one called Bleed for This, and it's based on a true story. And 
check it out. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. It's about a a, a professional boxer who had a um he was he, he became a, a champion and then he 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 had a car accident and broke his neck and he chose like how was his life after that accident and it's a it's an inspiring movie and on top of it it's based on a true story so which makes it more interesting that you're going to see that it actually happened yeah it reminds me of this movie million dollar baby yes. which is similar similar yes. plot okay um do you in ancient history not just mma who do you think is the greatest warrior or a conqueror or the stories that you have followed that you like for me personally uh, i would uh, again i would say the prophet muhammad peace be upon him mm-hmm. because uh, not only he was a role model he was a warrior but like a fair and just warrior and and you know reading reading the life of of the prophet and how he was like can can help me into becoming a better person you know okay and then bringing back to mma now you've mentioned your role models uh, gsp was among them mohammad yeah. ali from the past but if i do ask you the greatest mma fighters would they, would it be the same objectively speaking i think i think for me personally it would be the same it would be for example basrut and gsp mm-hmm. uh as a fighter of course habib as well like what he has achieved is 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 just something else it's uh, extraordinary um who else who else would it people be people who will disagree with gsp would say anderson silva john jones demetrius johnson for me it's not just as a fighter it's like the full character the full the full package you know the full package is is a is a true martial artist to me you know it's not just about the fighting or about his style it's the full ideology that he had the full the, the full package you know john jones he's an amazing fighter he's one of the most or the most well-rounded fighters but there are certain things that he did outside of the cage that take that away from him you know what i mean um anderson silva is a great great fighter uh very entertaining uh, i followed him a lot in his fights just recently i thought he was a bit reckless but yeah but like entertainment wise he's 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 one of the top and then we have yoel romero yeah, the, <laughs> the monster and and the memes that are going around him and <laughs> i see you soon boy <laughs> <I> see you soon <laughs> he's amazing he's demetrius amazing. johnson would you place him demetrius in demetrius the... johnson i would i would place him over there but unfortunately i didn't really follow him as much i don't i don't know why well the, like demetrius johnson is one of the best athletes ever like the speed the endurance the technique like but i don't know why like as a as an mma fan we like heavier fighters more i don't know why is it because there are heavier punches and strikes and we know that with one punch the fight might end like for example a lot of people they will watch heavyweights more than other fighters because it's it's more it's exciting isn't it brock like, lesnar it's exciting Francis Nicolas, yeah, yeah it's exciting like with one punch they can end the fight right. What are some current MMA stars that you're interested in that you think have a very bright future ahead? 
obviously Hamzat. Hamzat is uh, is very interesting. Islam. Islam is very interesting as well. Um, we have uh, oh, what's what? Shevchenko. Valentina. Yeah. Or Antonina. Uh, <laughs> Valentina. I love Valentina. She's bullet Valentina. Yeah. She's she's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the um, the Chinese lady, the champion Zhang? Zhang. Zhang. I love her. She's, she's she's a beast. She's yeah. an absolute beast. Like amazing. Her fight with uh, uh, Joanna yeah. was amazing. It's she's just she's amazing. She's she's killing it. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are the top fighters in my opinion. Amazing. So what would you like your legacy to be like? Obviously, to go. Uh, to go far in the sport and reach a higher level reach first my my goal is to reach the UFC and not just participate in the UFC but leave a big impact hopefully not why not get the get the belt or fight for the belt or reach as far as I can because for me my legacy is I I started at an I started martial arts at an old age compared to other athletes. I started at the age of 20, 21. And I was doing something totally different. I was at a desk job doing IT, being the nerd, and then all of a sudden changed my life into following my passion. Gave up everything, followed my passion, struggled through it. And hopefully I can make it through that and and live the dream, you know. And that will hopefully encourage and motivate people to not just accept whatever job they have just just like that and be depressed about it and complain about it but do something about it and follow your passion at the same time and and hopefully they can they can enjoy life more and be healthier and happier yeah pretty motivational yeah even israel Adesanya had a similar story where he wasn't into combat sports oh yeah and then he got into kickboxing first and then now into mma Uh, and he started around 2021 i'm not sure the exact date so yeah, I hope you go down the path. If you go to UFC, don't forget us. Get me the sure. credentials. Yeah. So I, I come and shoot you embedded. <laughs> for sure, for when sure. When you're training in the hotel for room, sure. I'll be there for in the sure. W Hotel. Yeah, for, sure. for sure, for <laughs> sure. Okay, final question. What do you think is the meaning of life? For me, the, for me, I have a religious meaning of life, you know, like for example, in Islam, we believe that we were created to worship. But included in this worshiping is doing good, not harming people, um, being generous, helping people. Uh, Even like, for example, in my religion, like even a smile is a charity. You know, like if you can't give money, at least be nice. Don't harm people. Just smile, be kind. If you can help someone, try to help them. If you can't help them, try and find someone to help them. You know? So it's this is the meaning of life for me. Like, we're, we're not going to... I believe that we're not going to stay in this life forever. And there is, at some point, there is a reason why you're living here. And we have to to prepare for that reason, if you know what I mean. It's pretty powerful. Anas, thank you so much. Thank if you. people want to find you in live, in, on social media, where can they find you? 
Uh, I am on Instagram. Uh, the photobomb s- king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some amazing photobombs and video bombs actually. Uh, Anas Siraj Munir on Instagram or on Facebook. Anas, uh, the Moroccan sensation Siraj Munir. Do follow him. Anas, thank, thank you. you so much for the conversation. It was thank a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Shalom. Thank you.